You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Who's the greatest pirate of all time, my friend? Do you know? Is it Blackbeard? The Barbarossa Brothers? How about Captain Morgan? No, no, my sweet summer child. None of those unwashed men come close to the real MVP. The real Queen of the Sea. I'm TK, your guide to the past as we uncover the people, events, and little-known facts hidden in the shadows of your old history textbooks. From Empress baddies to activist profiles, turkey gods and the history of the toothbrush, tattoos, Pompeii peepees, and everything in between, you can find it all here. There's no telling how far we'll dig or how many historical facts we'll re-examine. No event is too small and no topic is too big because this is for the love of history. Hello, 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 my friend. Welcome back or welcome for the first time. I'm TK, your tour guide to the past and you are listening to For the Love of History podcast where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history. Are you ready to have your timbers officially shivered? I'm telling you, hoist the sails, swab the poop deck, because we are talking about pirates. Oh, yes. And not just any pirate. The world's greatest pirate, Cheng Yi Sao, the queen of the seas. That's right, queen. Are your timbers shivering? Because mine are a shivering. (laughs) I can't wait any longer. Grab your best white flowy blouse with puffy sleeves. Put on your most dramatic eyeliner, my friend, and let's get to it. Pirates. My love affair with pirates started because of my dad, and this episode is very much dedicated to him. From the time I was 10 years old, my dad would take me to every pirate event that came to Williamsburg, Virginia, which was a whole hell of a lot, surprisingly. I would put on my very child-appropriate wench costume that I somehow got at an unrelated Renaissance fair. I don't know how it happened. I don't remember. And my dad would wear his best Blackbeard t-shirt, and we would spend all day looking at pirate stuff. One summer, we memorized the meaning of every single pirate flag symbol and could identify the flag of any major pirate. Show me a flag, I knew what it was. We were fanatics, and really, we still are, and I can't wait to go back home and drink some rum with my dad and watch pirate movies. Love you, Daddy-O. This one's for you. So, let's get into it. I hope you're prepared for some pure badassery, my friend, because Cheng Yi Sao is as badassy as it gets. But before the badassery, we have to start at the beginning. In about 1771, in a tiny boat village in Kwangtung province, a little nameless girl was born to a poor fishing family. 
or a farming family where we really have no idea which because there are absolutely no records of Zhang Yisao or her family. This just goes to show how very poor her family was. China at this time was really established, a whole, a whole ass empire, and recorder, recorder keeping, record keeping was kind of their jam. But when it came to lower class people, the dudes in charge didn't care enough to make records on them whatsoever. From what we do know of that time, living as a poor fishing family was a rough life, often leading to early death of children and disease in adulthood. But somehow, Cheng Yi Sao beat those odds, and she makes her way to a floating Tonka brothel. The Tonka are an ethnic group of southern Chinese that live entirely on boats. They still do to this day. So here we are. In the year 1790, Cheng Yi Sao is said to be one of the most beautiful women on a floating boat. I'm not really sure. She's just really beautiful is what they said. <laughs> she was also the big three. Smart, funny, and beautiful. Wow. <laughs> awesome. She became really popular and caught the eye of a pirate, Cheng Yi. And I know what you're thinking. TK, isn't her name Cheng Yi with a Sao at the end? And you're right. You're very right. We're going to talk about that later. <laughs> Ching Yi was a pirate who came from a family of well-known pirates whose roots trace back to the Ming Dynasty. So she was dealing with royalty here, but she wasn't phased. She wasn't nervous at all. Dudebro was into her and had to have her as his wife. Just had to. And now there are two versions of how they came to be together. Version one is he woos her and he does it like a gentleman and he's like, will you be my wife? And the other one is that he is essentially a pirate fuckboy and kidnaps her and is like, you are my wife now. No one really knows which, but based on how the rest of the story goes, I feel in my heart of hearts like it's the first one. I think that's what really happened, but who freaking knows? I have no idea. But one thing we do know is what came after the proposal of marriage or the forcage of marriage. Cheng Yi Sao agreed to marry Cheng Yi only if he agreed to let her be his partner. Pfft, what? Partner? No housewife, no baby making machine. That was a no. She was not staying at home. She was not doing that. She would only marry him if he agreed to let her be his right-hand man. She wanted to be in the trenches by his side doing pirate business shit. And Cheng Yi was like, all right, let's unify the southern pirates together. I'm down if you are. And she was definitely down. So they got married. And as I promised, I'm going to explain the name thing now. So why the heck does Cheng Yi Sao and Cheng Yi 
have basically the same name. That is an excellent question, my curious little cat. Cheng Yi Sao actually means wife of Cheng Yi. So we don't actually know what what her name is. But that was pretty common in China during this time. Women's actual names would just become wife of so-and-so. And often, you know, if it was a higher-ranking person, it wouldn't even be wife of the person's name. It would be wife of whatever that person's position was. Which, mm, I don't like that. It's not my favorite thing that I've come across in history. But... I will digress. Cheng Yi and Cheng Yi Sao were now partners in crime, and their goal was to dominate the seas and become the unifiers of all southern Chinese pirates. Hello, my name is Willem. I am the host of the History of Cologne podcast. Cologne is a city in today's western Germany. It's over 2,000 years old and famous for its gothic cathedral. This old city on the Rhine River has endured a colorful and rich past. Hence it is full of events and narrations that represent European history as a microcosm. If you wondered, hmm, he sounds funny, yes I'm a German and Cologne is my home city. I'd love to discover the story of my home city with you. After two years of producing, we've just left the Roman era behind us, approaching the early Middle Ages. So there's still so much to tell. Take a listen. Doesn't hurt. Doesn't cost a thing. I'd love to hear from you sometime in the History of Cologne podcast. Until then, auf Wiedersehen. So by now, you know me. And you know I love context. History has never and will never exist in a vacuum, dear one. Never forget that. So we gotta, we gotta talk about the context. China has been the target of sea bandits in almost every period, from the first dynasty to the absolute last dynasty, and sometimes it happens even now. There's pirates alive in the world. Did you know that? Yeah, it's crazy. So pirates, <laughs> pirates in China date back to about 200, 200, <laughs> not 200 BC, the 2000s BC, these sea bandits were usually regarded as villains, but Chinese naval bandits kind of emerged as a result of force conditions. Until a centralized government was established in China, people would escape from oppression and slavery and poverty and so on by starting to live on the seas, and they tried to survive by doing pirate shit, plundering and pillaging. Over time, piracy became piracy, and it became a profession. These Chinese bandits sailed all across the sea. So our piratey story really begins in southern Vietnam. Not, not China at all, I know. Unexpected. It's a twist. We're like M. Night Shyamalan-ing it. <laughs> in the 1790s. Vietnam was going through a revolution of sorts. Three brothers were tired of the current emperor and decided to start the Tae Song Rebellion. They rebelled and yay, they won! And the youngest brother, Quan Trun, 
ended up being the top dog, the big cheese, the boss man, and he became the new emperor. But Dubro had a problem. His navy was absolute as shit. And ding dong surprise, you kind of need a navy if you're like surrounded by the ocean and want to be protected. So what did Emperor Quan Trun do? He would turn to the very established Chinese pirates for help. Coincidentally, China was going through its own shenanigans and the Qing dynasty was super rich, but they didn't really modernize at all. The local government didn't expand. There was virtually no infrastructure outside of anything concerning the emperor and the higher-ups. So people got a little bit out of hand and local warlords started taking over other government organizations. And things were just not being funded at all. Like the Navy, the Army, any military protection thing was just going to hell in a handbasket. And this would come back to bite China in the arse. So these people, without a strong centralized government and no infrastructure to speak of, were taking to the seas to protect themselves and get a little, a little side booty, or a lot of side booty in some cases. The pirate game in China was strong, but they were all just like little pirate groups. There was no unity amongst them. But Vietnam didn't care what grouping the pirates came in so long as they killed people. So Vietnam hired a bunch of these little pirate factions. Hiring the Chinese pirates was pretty successful, and our young emperor, Quan Trun, succeeded. He was emperor, he kept his stuff safe, and he no longer really needed the pirates after July of 1802. So he ended the contract with the pirates, and they headed back to China, but not before a leader would emerge from the hodgepodge of pirates. Cheng Yi and Cheng Yi Sao were super successful during their time as privateers for Vietnam, and they emerged as the most powerful pirate duo of the hired pirates. Their fleet was humongous. They had 400 vessels, which I did not realize that vessels meant more than just ships. You learn something new every day. Did you know that? Vessels can be any number of types of boats. Interesting. We live and we learn. Anyways, they had 400 vessels, 70,000 pirates, and they were not like a gang at all. They were a real ass rogue navy. So it was kind of obvious that they would emerge as the unofficial leaders of those little factions of pirates. But that unofficial status soon became super official. Legit even. Cheng Yi and Cheng Yi Sao chatted up the other pirate leaders and they were like, hey, you're super loyal to us. So you should join our alliance and we won't have to compete with each other and the other pirates and it'll be great. We'll just make a bunch more money. We'll have a bunch more protection. It'll be great. You should do this. And they were like, hell yeah, bro. We're down. We are so down. From this alliance, different fleets would emerge. Six fleets to be exact. The red, the black, 
the white, the green, the blue, and the yellow. Each one of these fleets had a captain that was extremely loyal to Cheng Yi. Not Cheng Yi Sao yet, just, just wait, just wait. Cheng Yi Sao and Cheng Yi were the commanders of the Red Fleet and the leaders, really, of everything else. They were like the big cheeses. And things were lit. The Chengs were getting it. Cheng Yi was the face of the operation, doing battle, piratey things, and Cheng Yi Sao was the financial and planning mastermind. And also, she had her hand in fighting piratey things. They were on top of the world. And it continued like this for about six years, until tragically in 1807, Cheng suddenly died. He was swept away off the ship by a typhoon. And tradition required Cheng Yisao to retire, to go off of her boat and just be a lady in the woods. But she was, she was not about that. She didn't want to retire. She wasn't going to retire. She was like, hell nah, I'm a boss bitch. I'm going to continue to run these fleets and make them even better. But Cheng Yisao was still a little bit careful. It was the 1800s in China after all, and ladies were not allowed to do a lot of stuff at all. Technically, she wasn't even supposed to be participating in society under Confucian law in China, but you know, she was not having that. So, Cheng Yisao was not a dummy, so she gathered all of her husband's closest allies and had a chat with them and got them on her side to vouch for her when she officially laid her claim as the leader of all of these fleets. So together, Cheng Yisao, Cheng Anpang, Cheng Pao Yang and Cheng Pao went together as a team to put in Cheng Yisao's name as the official leader of these fleets. And I have, I have to pause. I gotta pause before we go on. Because in my research, I found something buh-freaking-nanas. Bananas. Okay? So this last guy, Cheng Pao, right? He was not one of the captains of the other colored fleets, but he was Cheng Yi's, like, right-hand dude after Cheng Yi Sao. But the, his backstory is absolutely bananas. <laughs> so, like, I got, I just, I have to tell you it. So, here we go. So, back in the Dizay, like, before Cheng Yi died, Cheng Yi turns to Cheng Yi Sao and is like, hey, you know what this little family needs? A kidnapped teenager to raise as our own. We'll take him under our wing. We'll show him how to be a pirate. And P.S. And by the way, he'll also be my lover. Homosexuality was not a big deal at this time among the pirates in China. So Cheng Yi Sao was like, dope, let's do it. So the two of them take their ship, they run up on a fishing village, and they kidnap 15-year-old Cheng Pao. Cheng Yi then proceeded to teach him the pirate ways and also have a sexual relationship with him. Cheng Yi Sao would also end up having a sexual relationship with him, but we'll talk about that later. And that's fine. Love triangles, I love it. 
throuples, get into it. I'm here. I'm not here to, you know, yuck your yum. But he was 15 years old, which is a big no in the 1800s and now. Totally not okay. Super weird. And they also adopted him. So technically, he was their son, like under under legal stuff. But they only did the adoption part to ensure, like, inheritance and stuff, just in case one of them unexpectedly died, which Changi did end up dying. So, I mean, it was a good idea to adopt him. But also, he was a child. Gross. But I digress. Isn't that weird? Like, I just, I had to tell you that story. It's kind of irrelevant to the main story, but I really, I really had to tell you. But I will digress now. I will digress. Back to our story. So, Cheng Yi Sao has all the big top dudes on her side, right? And she's prepared to take her claim as the new leader of the pirates. Unsurprisingly, everyone was, was down with this idea. Cheng Yi trusted her so much. And now these other top dogs you know, really trusted her too. She had their loyalty. So Cheng Yi Sao went from being the behind the scenes mastermind to the leader of the largest pirate fleet in China and soon the world. Cheng Yi Sao was not a woman to be satisfied with the status quo, my friend. No, no. She was put on this earth to make waves, and that is exactly what she did. One of the first things Cheng Yi Sao did was establish a public fund system for her pirates. Pirating was, you know, feast or famine kind of gig, and Cheng Yi Sao knew this. In order to make sure her pirates were well compensated and their ships stayed in top condition all year, she set up a public fund system. The pirates would do their plundering and whatnot and then hand off 80% of the booty to a pirate banker and they would put it in their pirate banking system. The money would then be distributed as needed throughout the fleet for upkeep and to pay salaries when the booty ran low. This system would grow to a ridiculous proportion, but we'll talk about that later. The other thing Cheng Yi Sao did was establish a new code for the pirate fleet. A new rule book. She pulled a Dua Lipa, if you will. Okay? The code was extremely strict, and the enforcement was even described as incredibly swift and efficient. If a pirate was found breaking a rule, such as stealing from the public funds or from the community supply to support the fleet... It resulted in swift and immediate punishment. That punishment coming in the form of chopping your head off. Yet it wasn't like a three-strike system. You only got one head to chop. That was your one chance. You're done. Any pirate found giving an order or intentionally disobeying an order was also decapitated immediately. Western captives during this time reported having seen pirates flogged, placed in irons, or quartered for breaking the code. Quartered. That's awful. Don't Google that. Whatever you do. Quartering. Don't Google it. Use your imagination. Okay? And the code continues. If a pirate did not report to work and did not inform his superior of a need for leave, he would have an ear cut off. 
for suspected abandonment of the fleet. Her rules about the treatment of women were also particularly revolutionary, you could say, for the time. And just a little trigger warning, we will be talking about rape and domestic violence um, in this next part, so please skip ahead about 30 seconds. Okay, we'll see you on the other side. So, as you know, when pirates went, you know, raiding in ships and coastal towns, they would often rape and beat women, sometimes taking them as slaves and treating them awfully. Within Cheng Yi Sao's new code, there were rules put in place about the treatment of women who were captured by her fleet. If a pirate was found to have raped a woman, any woman at all, he would immediately have his head chopped off. No questions asked. These next couple rules are not my favorite, but women who were considered unattractive were released back on shore completely free, but women who were captured and considered attractive uh, would be taken care of um, and sold to her pirates. And if a pirate bought a woman, then they would be considered married. If the pirate didn't take care of his wife or was unfaithful to her in any way, he would have his head chopped off. So, I mean, there's no there's no wiggle room. There's no two ways about it. You cheat, you don't take care of your wife, head chopped off, gone immediately. Which I have mixed feelings about. Like, on one hand, progressive, but also it involves selling and owning humans. So let's, t- let's, let's take it with a grain of salt. Let's take it with a grain of salt. Cheng Yi Sao's new codes and systems were just taking off, and new pirates were joining left and right. The fleets were making so much money that the pirate banking system needed to be updated and expanded. The plundering was going great for Cheng Yi Sao and her fleet. I mean, people were terrified, and new pirates were joining left and right. She had more ships and men than the entire Spanish Armada with approximately 70,000 pirates and 1,200 vessels. But, as the smart businesswoman she was, Cheng Yi Sao knew that she had to branch out from just plundering ships. She began to do some straight-up mafia shit, and she would sell protection papers to ships all around China. Merchant ships, regular ships, passenger ships... The only pirates in China during this time were her pirates. So if you were a merchant ship with a protection paper, you were really actually protected. These merchants would go to these pirate banks that were all over the place because they were previously established, and they negotiated a price with reoccurring payments, of course. Eventually, pirates were able to extend this business to land, and farmers, and salt miners, and even politicians, and the military. Our girl, Cheng Yi Sao, was well-known and feared by the Chinese government. She had many a government official on the payroll and in her pocket. So deep were those pockets that even if a royal decree was made for her pirate's arrest, they they couldn't carry it out. She had so much power that she affected elections of government officials. 
ones that were more sympathetic to her cause would mysteriously be elected, and the ones that were not would mysteriously disappear or just up and quit. By 1805, scarcely a single boat would pull out of any port in southern China without the explicit knowledge and consent of Cheng Yisao. She had become the queen of the seas and land, wielding more power than the emperor himself. By the end of 1809, the tides were beginning to turn against Cheng Yisao and the pirate confederation. The government was finally fed up and was like, we need to get this woman out of here. She was a commoner and a woman who is straight up kicking their ass and taking names and the government is about to have a freaking aneurysm. The official Chinese Navy was absolute shit at this time. Nobody had cared about them. Nobody did upkeep at all. And they had fallen into a state of disrepair. Because the emperor gave zero fucks. So they had to enlist the help of foreign savages. <gasps> the Portuguese and the British. On September 15th, 1809 the British ship Mercury agreed to join 60 provincial warships in patrolling the inner passages of the Pearl River, the river that led up to uh, the capital city. On November 23rd, the Portuguese also officially signed an agreement that called for six Portuguese ships to join the Chinese provincial fleet on patrol between Humen and Macau for six months. Only for six months. It was, you know, it was a nice try, by the government government and these other countries to stop Cheng Yisao and her, her piratey people, but they, they just couldn't hang with her. She was absolutely too good. A great example of this is in a crazy battle on the Pearl River, the Chinese, the Portuguese, and the British Navy all came down on Cheng Yisao and tried, like, trapping her on the river on the Pearl River, but she freaking, she got out. She got out of there. She straight up maneuvered her fleet out of the river and escaped with the majority of her ships, simply unscathed. At this point, these dudes were fed up with Cheng Yisao, and she knew it, and she was ready to strike while the iron was hot. Cheng Yisao agreed to negotiations on February 21st, 1810, negotiations negotiations started, but quickly broke down when China refused Cheng Yisao's demands of keeping 5,000 pirates and 80 ships for herself to enter the salt trade after, you know, retiring as a pirate. So they ended the meeting with absolutely no resolution and everybody was way more upset than when the meeting started in the first place. So this back and forth would continue for a long time until Cheng Yisao became just fed up. She was done. She was done with the tomfoolery of all of these unwashed men. So against the objections of her crew, Cheng Yisao went to the capital of Canton, unarmed with a group of pirate wives and children and laid down the same offer. She said, 
I will stop being a pirate if you pardon all of my people and their families and allow the pirates to transition to the military and let my captains join high-ranking official positions. And in addition, I will keep 5,000 of my men and 80 ships to kick off my salt trading business, you know, because I need to make some money. Oh, and PSM, by the way, I also get to become a government official. At this point, there was nothing to be done. The government had to submit to her demands. The foreign ships were like, dude, we're outie. And the Chinese Navy couldn't even take on one of Chen Yisao's ships. So they conceded. Almost 15 years of piracy was pardoned for over 70,000 people. And every single one of those 70,000 people had new financially secure lives. My friend, this story, it has a happy ending. Cheng Yi Sao would end up living a long life and staying involved in politics and just making buku bucks with her salt mines and trade. And she passed away in 1844 at the ripe old age of 69 years old. She passed away peacefully. She lived a peaceful life after retiring from a life of piracy. And she left behind a legacy as the undisputed, undefeated, greatest pirate of all time. My friend, I don't even know what to do with myself. So rarely do we end a story of a strong, independent, badass, amazing woman in such a, in such a positive way. Usually something terrible happens, like people, you know, end up fucking her over, or she dies, or battle happens, something. It usually ends poorly. I'm a little caught off guard here. I don't know what to do with myself. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you the final thought. The memory of Cheng Yi Sao lives on in pop culture. From movies to video games, manga, books, picture books, cartoons, songs, you name it. And even if you didn't know about her, you totally knew about her. If you've seen Pirates of the Caribbean, the Dead Man's Chest one, I think that's what it is, where all the other pirates come, you have seen Cheng Yi Sao. The pirate queen from China is based off of her. So you can continue to see her badassery everywhere. She was a badass from the beginning to the end. And she never let people take advantage of her. She never compromised. She never settled for less than she deserved. She took what society thought was her biggest flaw and used it to her advantage. She was not successful in spite of being a woman, but because she was a woman. And I hope you take that message with you wherever you go. You are capable and strong and worthy, not in spite of your weaknesses, but because of them.
Alrighty, my dear friend. That is all I have for you today. I really enjoyed this episode immeasurably, and I hope you did too. Please leave a rating and review on any platform that lets you do that. And P.S. and by the way, that will enter you into the giveaway that's going on on Instagram right now. If you want some for the Love of History merch and some Japanese goodies, whoop whoop. It's super cool. And speaking of Instagram, head on over there today to see all the pictures of our episode and find some cool links in my bio, like the Patreon link or a link to donate to the books and research supply. It helps me keep this independent podcast going and helps me provide you with the best content possible. And that's awesome. (laughs) And that will do it for us today, my friend. Drink your water. Do something that makes you happy today, and I will see you on August 20th, where we explore the history of a type of tattoo that you've probably never heard of. Okay, bye! Why is there a metronome right now? Okay. (laughs) Okay.